Good morning, everyone. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We are so glad that you have joined us today. Y'all enjoying the humidity? No? Nobody? All right. What well, is a good day to praise the Lord? Amen? Amen. Amen. Let us all stand together so we can praise the Lord together. Oh, wait. Hang on. Three seconds. Three, two, one. All right. Here we go. <laughs>
of God, would you say amen? Amen. I am so grateful to be back in San Diego. We were in Arizona this week. I didn't used to believe in purgatory. <laughs> 114 degrees two days ago. I had a wedding Friday 
that was outside, and I'm in a black suit with a sun. I think it was down to cool down to 103 or something that particular occasion. But honest story, honest story, my wife prayed that a cloud would come over the sun, and it did. And it did. That sun has sucked the life. So I am dead tired. If I do fall asleep during my sermon, please exit very, very quietly. I would appreciate it. Let's uh, take a moment, say hi to the person next to you, okay? And then go ahead and find a seat. God bless you. ahead and have a word of prayer if we could be sure to leave seats on the aisles we still have people coming in they're looking for places to sit we need to be praying this morning for laura stecker she uh was taken to the hospital this morning and so let's pray for her uh monica it's so good to see you here and uh monica's mama went home to be with the lord so be praying for that family and for those services it'll be announced a little bit later on i heard there's someone named elizabeth who's eight years old today is there someone named Elizabeth who's eight years old today? Right over there. All right. God bless you. That's a big birthday, I'll tell you what. How many have a prayer request on your heart and mind today? And there are many. Let's pray. Our fathers, we bow in your presence this morning. We're so grateful and thankful for your grace. The grace that allowed us to hear the gospel. The grace that caused there to be a gospel to begin with. The grace that you showed in your mercy and kindness that you would allow your only begotten son to die on, on the cross to be able to pay the price for our sins, to be the vicarious atonement for our sins. Lord, we thank you for that grace. And we thank you that when we mess up, we can come back to you. We can do, make that U-turn. We can repent and come back. And you promised to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, we pray your blessings upon this service today, the people that are in this house, the people who are watching by way of Facebook or YouTube, Father, we pray that the message would be a blessing to them as we learn the meaning behind one of your many, many names revealed in the Holy Word of God. So, Lord, be with us in this place. Lord, we need you. We have to have you. Uh, or what we do here is in vain without you. So, God, show up, and thank you, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said... Amen. All right. And if you are a guest, you're a visitor for the first time, and I got to meet a few of you a little while ago. We've got some first-time guests right down here in front that from, a, from a land far away and a time long, long ago uh, in our previous church, and we're glad to have them with us working with Samaritan's Purse uh, as uh, chaplains right now. So that's incredible. 
uh, Lou and Brenda Onda right down here. Uh, he was in the Navy, and then he was in the Army. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, you're out now, though, right? You're in the Lord's Army now. That's what I do. When, I, when I'm somewhere buying something, I say, are you in the military? I say, well, I'm in the Lord's Army. Sometimes I get the discount. <laughs> just, just sharing a little wisdom with you all. Okay. If you're a first-time guest, please do us a favor and take one of these out of the seat backs and fill it out so we'll have a record of your visit. You can put any prayer requests you have in the back. If you have any questions, you can go ahead and do that as well. Uh, Tinley, did you graduate? Did you finally, did you, you got your diploma and everything? I want to make sure you got your diploma first. So I've got something for you. Would you come up here? Uh, Tinley graduated, and uh, so we are just going to be, what's your plan now? I can't even say some of those words. And some people graduate, you know, they're looking forward to basket weaving or something like that. So, you know what? That is really cool, Tammy, and I'm really proud of you. And uh, we will be praying for you. Can we pray for you right now? Yes. Father, I pray for Tinley. I pray that God, as she goes down to this university in Mississippi, that her faith would remain strong, that the foundation of Jesus Christ would be so interwoven in her life that the, any professors who might try to shake that won't be able to, and that, Father, you would be her strength. Forgive us of our sins and bless us, Lord. Take care of her. Take care of the family. We know it's tough on family when their kids go off to school. So we pray for all of them, and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless you. God bless you. Give her a hand. All right, good job. All right, announcement-wise, military meal right after this next door. Uh, so be sure to show up for that. Check out our bulletin for several Bible studies held throughout the week. And then Saturday men's breakfast this coming Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, right here. Some great grub, fellas. So if you can come and be here at about 7 or a little bit after that to help cook, it would be much appreciated. Next Sunday, I, I kind of hesitated preaching on this name of God, Jehovah Maka, because it, it means the Lord shall smite you. <laughs> wow, I did, I'd never heard, I've never heard a preacher even talk about that one before. But uh, the Lord shall smite you. I'm going to go ahead and, and forge forward. And then we have communion, Holy Communion, right after the service, or right at the end of the service. Uh, so I want you to be sure to, have, to be here for that. Bulletin article, which path have you chosen? For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Psalm 1 tells us that life's most important challenge is we have only two paths to choose from, the path of peace or the path of perdition. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. The righteous man walks a path of peace, habitually refraining from walking down the wicked path. His delight is in the law of the Lord. He meditates on God's word day and night and brings forth fruit in his season. Jesus says of this path, therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man who builds his house upon a rock and the rain descended and the floods came and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock in contrast the ungodly are not so according to psalm 1 but they're like the chaff which the winds drives away that's like the the husks and the uh, and the part of that's not part of the seed and the grain uh, that's broken away from it and it blows away 
and everyone that hears the sayings of mine and does them not shall be likened unto a foolish man who builds his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So there are two paths and no middle ground. There is no sitting on the fence with this thing. You're either serving God or you're not serving God. You're either serving self or serving God, one of the two. Don't procrastinate on choosing the path of peace. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace. We sang about it, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So choose the path to the Most High God, because that's what El Elion means, is the Most High God. And we're going to talk about some of the ramifications of that um, in today's sermon. But first, this is the last week we'll be able to show you this uh, Basque video. These students, I, I think they've got all but one 15-year-old girl. I, I don't want to be overly dramatic about this, but it could make the difference in her getting saved and knowing Christ and living forever in heaven or not. It could be that, that critical. Um, she needs a place to stay for the month of July. And uh, so we're going to show this video one more time today. If you're able to do something, is uh, a gat here? Very in the very back. You will be ready to take their name. Is that right? So uh, a gat will be outside. And uh, if you need to know who a gat is, you let me know. But let's go ahead and watch the video one more time. Summer in the USA is an opportunity for churches and families to engage in foreign missions right at home. Students from the Basque Country in Spain live with Christian host families for the month of July to improve English fluency, but their lives are forever changed when they experience the love of God through the families and church community. For the month of July, families in our church make a decision to open up their homes, which I think hospitality actually was like the first century church's strategy to share the gospel. The people here are incredibly unreached. There are nations like Saudi Arabia that have more believers percentage-wise right now than people in Basque country. The opportunity for a Basque people to know about Jesus is none. I mean, we are few Christians, that's the reality. In my family, they doesn't speak about that but I want to know about him. If people don't go to Basque Country or if hosts don't take Basque Country into their home, it appears as if there will be no reproductive disciple making in Basque Country. When there was the announcement about summer in the USA and the concept of hosting a teenager for a part of the summer, it kind of pulled at my heart. She came and uh, was here for a month and lived in our house and just kind of did whatever we did. So hosting a bath student was a, a really cool way for us to give intention and extra meaning to our daily lives and just having this person with us where we were sharing the love of Jesus with them, showing our kids what that looked like, and then just giving it that extra meaning to our entire summer. When we first heard about the opportunity, I thought, there's no way this is gonna work for our family. We're way too busy. Our house is probably not big enough. The kids are little. Like, what are we gonna do for the month of July? And I'm so glad we decided to just jump in and do it because we had the best summer and we fell in love with Isado. The impact that you can have in such a short period of time is like years of work, ultra condensed. Trust that if God is pulling at your heart, bottom line, Follow that lead and it will work. So see you again right after the services outside the doors. Let's all stand together as we continue to worship our Lord. Christ is my reward. 
Tears. 
Thank you, praise team. Thank you so very much. You may be seated in the congregation. I'm going to ask the boys and girls to come up here before you get to your classes, before you go to your classes. Come on down here for just a minute. Let me spend uh, a couple of moments with you. Moms and dads and everybody else in the congregation, turn your Bibles to the first book in the Bible, the book of Genesis, chapter 14. And I'll be there, Lord willing, just a little bit. And holy cow, we got a good group of young people here today. Look at this. This is super. All right, how many of you, let me ask you a question. How many of you have a name? How many of you know your name? Now, this is going to be a harder question. How many of you know what your name means? Because names have meanings. Do you all know? You, you, you sure? What's your name mean? Song of Happiness. Is it Caroline? Is that it? Song of Happiness. That's beautiful. Do you know what your name means? Do what? Noble Saint. Okay, that's great. Lauren? Wisdom. Anybody else know what your name means? I told you what my name means, right? Mine. Jimmy is my name, and it comes from James, which means, which came from Jacob, which means deceiver. <laughs> and and beige is the woolen, green woolen cloth on poker tables. Thanks a lot, Mom and Dad. <clears throat> Appreciate it. Well, God has a lot of names. You know what your name means? It's, God remembers. Oh, God remembers? Yeah, but he does. Here's a Zachary, right? Okay. God has a lot of different names, and one of it, Cassie? I know why Jesus died. Why did Jesus die? For our sins. For our sins. You're exactly right. Thank you so much for that. That is good. God has a lot of names. One of the names of God is El Elyon, and El Elyon means the Most High God. And in Psalm 4610, it says, be still and know that I am God. And, and it means, and it says, I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Now, who knows what exalted means? Does anybody know who exalted means? That's a big word. It means to be lifted up, to lift up, to encourage, to magnify, to be lofty, to set it up very, very high. And here's what it is when, when we talk about God. God is to be high, very, very high above everything, everyone else, anywhere in the whole universe, in all the universes. God is supreme. Nothing should be higher than God. But you know what happens, boys and girls? Cassie, you know what happens when we decide we're going to sin? We put ourselves above God. That's why it's so bad. Because God says we're not supposed to do the wrong kind of things. And we say, well, we want to anyhow. So we put ourselves over God. And that doesn't work, boys and girls. We need to make sure that God is first place in our life. He's the absolute highest, and that we do whatever he tells us to do to the best of our ability. So God is the most high God. There's no one higher than him. Let's pray, okay? Father, we thank you for these boys and girls. What a great group. What a, what a neat group. What, how cool it is. To, be, to have names that have meanings that are so uh, wonderful. And, Lord, you are our El Elyon. You are our most high God. So be elevated not only in our individual lives, be elevated in our church, be elevated and exalted in our country, be exalted in our world. 
we pray in Jesus' name. And the boys and girls said, amen. God bless you. Go ahead and go to your classes. Good to have you here today. Thank you so much for being in God's house. Today, we're back to our Names of God series after the message on Father's Day last week. And uh, today's uh, name, I found one source that said it can be spelled two different ways. It was the only source I found that said it could be spelled two different ways. So I included my notes, but um, L-E-L-Y-O-N or l hyphen. H-E-L-E-O-N, Helion. So you remember the first name of God that we studied. Anybody remember what the first name of God was that we studied? Elohim. Elohim was the first name. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. You remember that the the name Elohim, not only is the law of the first mention, the first name of God found in the entire word of God, at least the way it's laid out in uh, in our Bibles today. Genesis being the first book uh, that's, that's there. So the fourth word is that of Elohim. So it's plural uh, in, in, um, in form, but singular in its reference to God. It's singular in its meaning. So it's this plural noun. Uh, it's kind of like, maybe it's like committee. A committee is singular, a committee, but a committee is made up of people. A board, a singular word, board singular, but a board made up of people. Elohim uh, is is singular, one Elohim, but made up of three people. So we have really the first promise of the Trinity in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And by the way, the word creation there is he created out of nothing. He, his spoken word is so powerful. The word of God is so powerful that God didn't have to have Home Depot to go down and buy some blocks and sand and cement and wood and all of that to do his creation. There was no creation. There was nothing before uh, he created, and he spoke, and the, the creation appeared. He spoke, and there was dry land. He spoke, and there was water. He spoke, and there was the fowl of the air and the fish in the sea and the beasts of the field and, and, and all of that. And then, then, he, then he not only spoke, but he reached down and he formed from the crust of the earth Adam. And really, Adam, the name Adam is in reference to the clay or the crust of the earth because he was taken from the earth and formed and fashioned by Almighty God. So that's we call him Adam. And then Eve was taken from Adam's side, bone and flesh from his side. But that was Elohim who did all of that, the plural in, in singular in, in meaning. God, and, and it's often combined, this, this Elohim, the first part of that is El, it stands for God, and it's often combined with other nouns or adjectives. So, so things like Israel, Israel means God strives. Bethel, we call it Bethel. Bethel is the house of God. Peniel is the face of God. And there are all kinds of names in the Bible like uh, Eliakim and Elihu and Elimelech and Elijah and Elisha and Elizabeth and so on that have the E-L in, in connection with it. So that's a reference to God. It also implies uh, a God of all power, the omnipotence of Almighty God. And as we mentioned, it's the law of first mention, the first name of God. <clears throat> so uh, we know immediately that when, when you see the word L, the name L, we're talking about the uh, all-powerful, omnipotent God. 
And that's the one indicated here. So the full name, El Elyon, is revealed in Genesis 14, verse 18. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. So uh, first point here, the, the God Most High, or the Most High God, however you say that. Uh, this name was revealed to Abraham after a battle was fought to be able to recover his nephew Lot and Lot's family and several other people in this, who had been captured um, as spoil and taken out of the country as spoils of war and captives, probably to become slaves and so on, um, from the king of Elam and two other kings. So in Genesis 14, 11, first of all, the various invaders plundered Sodom and Gomorrah and headed for home, taking with them all the spoils of war and the food supplies. They also captured Lot, Abram's nephew, who lived in Sodom and carried off everything he owned. So Abraham now, the father of the faithful, he would become known as uh, Abraham, who had been called from Ur of Chaldees and told, go to a place that I will show you. Uh, called the father of the faithful because here he is established in a, in, a, in a city of his birth and a city of great learning, a city, uh, a large city uh, in, in this day and age. And yet he was called to go to a place that God would show him. He didn't even know where it was going to be. He, he said, basically, God said, I'll let you know when you get there. And so by faith, he ventured out and went to this, uh, this land that God would show him. And so he's now just a, 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 a pilgrim, basically, uh, coming into a new land. Uh, but he finds himself in the role of a warrior. And by the way, this, this world is not our home. We're just a passing through. We are pilgrims in this world. But I want to tell you something. We are also warriors. We're also to strap on the armor of God, right? Ephesians chapter 6. We will fight many battles. And I want you to know something. You already know it. The devil does not fight fairly. The devil will not think anything about piling on. Uh, it, it seems like one thing after another starts happening. You can pretty well put it down to the fact that you're in the middle of spiritual battle right then and there. Uh, God, if he sees you flinch, if he sees you weakening, if he sees a, uh, the door open just a crack, it could be a full onslaught. So expect that from him. But know that you're in a battle and know you're not fighting the battle alone. Know that God will be with you. So here's Abram, a uh, pilgrim. Uh, he doesn't have armaments of war. He, he, he didn't come prepared to invade some foreign country and take it over and make the inhabitants thereof subservient to him. Uh, he's, he's got flocks and families and kids and grandkids, and, and they're traveling through the land, but all of a sudden he's got to be a warrior now. When, Abraham, when Abram heard that his nephew Lot had been captured, verse 14, he mobilized the 318 men who had been born to his household then he pursued Kedor La Omar's army until he caught up with them at Dan. And there he divided his men and attacked during the night. And Kedar La Omar's army fled, but Abram chased them as far as Hobad, north of Damascus. And look at verse 16. Abram recovered all the goods that had been taken, and he brought back his nephew Lot with all his possessions and with all the women and other captives. And so here's this this. this farmer slash flock, shepherd slash pilgrim journeying this foreign country, and he actually goes to war against some armies, 
and he wins the battle. Now, he doesn't win the battle because of his own military strategic uh, mind. He, he doesn't win the battle because of superior forces. He doesn't win the battle because he's just a better soldier. He wins the battle because he's fighting God's battle and because God has gone with him. So then Melchizedek, who in the world is Melchizedek? A very interesting person in the word of God. And if you study uh, the, the name Melchizedek, you'll find out there are a lot of theories about who he really is. Some people believe that Melchizedek uh, was Christ pre-incarnate. You say, well, that can't happen because Christ is not born until 2,000 years or, you know, till, till Beth, in Bethlehem and the Virgin Mary. And all. You know what? Christ has always been. The Son of God has always been. The Holy Spirit of God has always been. It just, in Bethlehem, Christ took a garment of flesh. He, he, was, he became enrobed in flesh, and he became manifest in flesh and born as a little baby. Um, but he has always been. And so Melchizedek, some people believe, is the pre-incarnate Christ, and he comes to Abram to pronounce a blessing upon him. In verse 19, he blessed him. And listen to what he, he says. He said, blessed is be Abram of the most high God. There's that El Elyon of the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the most high God. There it is again. Which hath delivered thee, thine enemies into thine hand. And he, that is Abram, gave him Melchizedek tithes of all. So in these verses, verses 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21, four times the Lord most high God is found. So this name El Elyon found four times in this one passage. Other places, it's found in Numbers chapter 24, verse 16. It's found in Deuteronomy 32, 8. It's found 20 times in the Psalms. It's found twice in Lamentations and 12 times in the book of Daniel. The definition of, of Helion or Elyon, uh, it means highest. It's rendered uppermost. Uh, in, in if you're, you're talking about uh, a theater with balconies, it would be the uppermost. It would be the very top, the pinnacle. Uh, and so he is high, higher, highest in Ezekiel 9 and Ezekiel 41. Combined with Jehovah, it means then that he is the God most highest, most high God, God Elohim, and Jehovah most high. Uh, and there are kinds of verses in the Old Testament to support that. But now, this is a, something I, I didn't realize uh, until several years ago, that Elohim is also used of idols. Elohim is also used of angels. Elohim is also used of human rulers. Uh, when it talks about uh, those of power, it talks about rank. So when used of entities other than God, whether persons, nations, or things of this world, it is always speaking of the highest of a series of like nature, series or order of like nature. So, so it'd be, I, I don't know if this is a good analogy or not, so you guys in the Navy, correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, we have a lot of commanders in the Navy, uh, but you have one supreme commander, right? I think we have one supreme commander. <laughs> Anyhow, you have a supreme commander. So you can have lots of commanders, but you have a supreme commander. So, okay, in this idea of, of Elohim, the most high God, now, preacher, are you telling me that there are other gods in the sense and in the use of the definition of the word Elohim? Yes, there are, because it refers to those people and things of rank and power. Angels, 
could be referred to as Elohim and Ar. Men who are in, in positions of power can be referred to as Elohim, and they are. Even carved idols out of wood, silver, gold, whatever, can be referred to as Elohim. But when it comes to deity, none of them, none of them, not Satan as, as the highest angel, probably highest created angel at one time before he fell, uh, not even he would be ascribed to Elohim in a sense of deity, but only in the sense of rank over angels. So when applied, when, when, when used of God, it implies there are others under him, endowed by him, in some nature related to him, but he and he alone, God Almighty and God alone, has the power to rule and to reign and to decide and to, to, to do what he wants to do because he is the omnipotent God. And there is no other. There's no one else who comes close. No one of the same, uh, of the same rank and, and no one even approaching him because he is the most high God. In Nebuchadnezzar, the story of Nebuchadnezzar is amazing. Nebuchadnezzar uh, rose to great power and fame in the old world of Babylon. And there he had these, his, his victories on the battlefield. He had his castle to, and palace to live in. He had everything you could imagine. He was rich beyond uh, our ability to imagine. And, and one day he found himself, and in, in Daniel chapter 4, verse 34, at the, at the end of days he said, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me after what happened. He, he had gotten so lifted up, so eaten up by pride, he said, I have all of this because I am such a good king. I am such a good soldier. I am so amazing. I'm the smartest guy there is. Look at all that, that I have. Look at my kingdom. It's, it goes from east to west. It encompasses all the countries we know anything about. I am, I am on top. We talked about being on the king of the hill uh, a couple weeks ago with the kids. I am the king of the hill. And God sm smote him, smote, smited, smit. I'm at a loss. Uh, God did it, though, and he found himself, Nebuchadnezzar, on all fours, eating grass like an animal, and, and he, his nails were not cut until they grew out like claws, and he was like a wild beast for seven years. He lost his mind. He was insane for seven long years. And then at the end of the days, Nebuchadnezzar's own words here, I lifted up my eyes into heaven, and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed who? The Most High. He realized, I guess what? I'm not the Most High. He is the Most I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that lives forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, what do you do? Nobody can challenge the Most High God. When people, when unbelievers shake their fist in the face of God and say, if there is a God, you know, and they cuss him out and all that, whatever, I, sh I shiver at that. The most high God struck a mighty king in a moment of time and made him wander around as a wild animal. 
for seven years. We can't breathe in the next breath without God. We can't metabolize food without God. We can't think a thought without the synapses that occurs because God makes that all happen and work. We can't do anything. We're lumps of clay, except there be a God who gives us grace to be able to do the things that we're able to do. And when Nebuchadnezzar came to the end of himself and saw what he had been through and realized what he had been through and his understanding returned to him, he turned around and he praised the Most High God and said, no one is his equal and no one can challenge him. No ism can challenge him. No law can challenge him. No president, no dictator, no king can challenge him. There's only one God. He's the most high God. Variations of the name are many. In Psalm 97, it says, For thou, O Lord, art high above all the earth. Thou art exalted far above all the gods, all the other powers, all the other ranks, all the other um, angels, all the other judges. You're above all of that. There is no comparison. No one else is like you, most high God. Isaiah said in Isaiah 57, thus says the high and the lofty one that inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I will dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the contrite ones. In Acts chapter 7, verse 48, how be it the most high dwells not in temples made with hands, says the prophet. By the way, he doesn't, he doesn't dwell in some temple made by hands, but guess what he will dwell? Guess where the most high God will dwell? In you. Your body can be the temple of the most high God. You can be walking temples and tabernacles housing the Holy Spirit of God because God made it possible for you to be born again. He made it possible for you to be cleansed in within and, and to, to, made, to be a place for God himself to reside so that nowhere, anywhere you go, no matter where you find yourself, God is not just close, he's within. As a believer, our bodies become the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's comforting in these dark, troubling days to know the truth of Daniel 4.25, which says the most high rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomsoever he will. It's, it's very comforting to me to know that an omnipotent God has everything under control. When it seems like inflation's out of control, when it seems like the borders are wide open and, and, and there's no control, when it seems like uh, that, that the, the gender confusion mess and, and, and all that's going on in our school systems, when it seems like the, the world is coming apart at the seams, when it seems like there's no hope for tomorrow, we have the most high God who could fix all of that with the proverbial snap of a finger. God is God. He allows things to happen. People sometimes have trouble with that. I sometimes have trouble with that. But that doesn't phase God. He's still God. 
even if we have trouble with it. He's got a plan bigger than ours. He is the most high God. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. So when people say, well, if there is a loving God, he wouldn't allow whatever it is that's terrible that happened. You, you don't know the plan of God. You don't know the end from the beginning. You, you don't know all the reasons. We don't know why God allows to happen what does happen. And that's why the vehicle God uses to us, uses for us, or gives to us, rather, is the vehicle of faith. To be able to understand, okay, I don't know why that happened, but I know one thing. God is God, and he is all-powerful, and he is omniscient, and he has got everything under control because he is the most high, and he rules in the kingdom of men, and he rules in the hearts of every man. Rulers may propose, but El Elyon disposes. A theologian, I think theologian, named F.E. Marsh said, it's not without significance that this title has to do with the Most High as the Ascended One who is in the highest place guarding and overruling all things and making everything work to one given end to set his son as the king priest after the order of Melchizedek upon his throne to rule in the millennial glory of his power and majesty. God is directing all things, getting ready for the king of kings and the Lord of lords to come back from heaven <clears throat> to set up his kingdom and to rule and to reign. <clears throat> Some unknown poet wrote, Lord of all being, throned afar, thy glory flames from sun and star, center and soul of every sphere, Yet to each loving heart, how near? What is your relationship to El Elyon? What is your relationship and my relationship to the Most High God? We're privileged by the grace of God to be children of the Most High God by virtue of the new birth. We can't become his child by being baptized. Somebody says you can go to... You can be born in a McDonald's, doesn't make you a hamburger. You can be born in a garage, doesn't make you a car. You can be born in the, in the ocean, doesn't make you a fish. You know, the, the fact is that you've got to be born again. You've got to be born again. You've got to trust Christ. Children of God, of the most high God, by virtue of the new birth, may we therefore do our duty to have the most high God occupy the most high place of our life. Know him, trust him. The basic attribute given to God when his, this name is employed is the one who is above all things, the maker, the possessor, and the ruler, incomparable in every way. He is subject to no one and nothing. He is the exalted one. There's none beside him. That's El Elyon, most high God. But let me, let me share just one point of one other name with you. <clears throat> and it's very unusual. <clears throat> it's in Genesis 16, 13, so you're right there pretty close, just a couple of chapters away. Elroy, not Elroy. <laughs> E-L, capital O-R-I, Elroy. Guess what? Elroy was the name given to God by Hagar. It's the only case, I believe, in the Bible where a name of God is ascribed by a person. God reveals his own names to people 
at certain circumstances and in certain experiences at certain times. El Roy is the name that Hagar gives to God in Genesis 16, 13. Here it is. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, oh, by the way, the, the, the background to this, <clears throat> there are two different, you might get confused with two different times in her life when she was away from Abram and Sarah. This was the first time. She didn't yet have her son, Ishmael. Um, later on, she would have him and be cast out of the house. But anyhow, uh, this was as, as a result of, of Sarah not being able to conceive. And Sarah says, here's Hagar, my handmaiden. Have a baby with her, basically, is what she was saying. And Abram, being the great spiritual giant that he is, says, oh, okay. <laughs> I think Sarah was wrong. I think Abram was wrong. Uh, but at any rate, he, uh, Sarah or, or Hagar conceived uh, by uh, Abram. But before that happened, before this, before she had a baby, when Sarah realized that Abram, Abram was with her handmaiden, she began to treat her very badly. So Hagar fled. Thereafter, God appeared to her and, and assured her that everything was going to be all right. And Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her, said, You are the God who sees me. She also said, Have I truly seen the one who sees, who sees me? So no one else has ever named God other than Hagar. And here, uh, it was at a point, low point in her life when she said, You know what? I, I, I'm not being treated right by Sarah. I'm, I'm being abused, I'm being, I'm, I'm being cast aside, I have a reproach, and, and it wasn't of my doing, and I don't know what I'm going to do. And she said, no one cares, and basically God appeared to her and said, I do care. I've got a future for you. I've got a future for your child. He's going to be the father of many nations. I want you to go back, and I want you to do what I've called you to do. God knows where you are. God knows what wilderness you're wandering in. God knows how hard it is. God knows when you don't feel like you fit in. God knows when you feel like, oh, I'm hopeless. What do I do at this point? He is a personal God who sees you, and he's the God that you can see. So El Elyon becomes El Roy when you become personal and familiar with the Most High God. What a privilege. That is pure grace. Would you bow your head, please? Are you on a personal basis with the Most High God? Think about that. You and I cannot walk in probably no one here, maybe someone can, but probably no one here can walk into the office of the governor of the state of California without a lot of strings being pulled. Nobody here can walk in to the president's office, President Biden's office. None of us can. But you can go into the very presence of Almighty God. The very presence. You can have an an intimate relationship with him. 
Because he knows you, knows all about you. And if you've received Christ as your personal Savior, you've been born again, so you're his child. So it's like a family member walking into the presence of their father. Do you know him personally? Are you saved? Do you know that heaven's your eternal home? Do you know all your sins have been forgiven? Are you trusting him? The most high God, not the governor, not the president, not some senator, the most high God, high and lifted up and holy above all else in this world. Do you know him? Father, I pray that we would know you, that we would serve you, that we would honor you. I pray, God, that if there's sin in our lives, that you would reveal it to us right now, that we would repent of it, even in light of the fact that we're going to have communion next week. God, may we begin even now examining ourselves as you caution us to do in 1 Corinthians. And may we look this week into how we treat people and how we talk and how we act and what kind of a representative, an ambassador we are for you. And may we, God, trust you to change us right in beginning right now. May we make that U-turn. May we repent. May we come as Nebuchadnezzar did, broken before you and acknowledge that you are the most high God. Lord, if there's someone here not saved, may they come today and receive Christ as their Lord. If one of your children is wandering away, may they come back to you today, thereby staying off discipline, correction, and judgment. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? This invitation, okay, here's how it works. You, you who have been here know. Praise team sings a song. They'll sing a verse or two. I'm not sure how many verses they'll sing. I'm not sure what they're singing right now. But you, we're inviting you to come. If you want to receive Christ as your Savior, I'll be right down here. Come and say, I want to be saved. I want to make sure I'm a child of God. I want to make sure I have that personal relationship. If you want to come and repent of some sin, you don't have to tell me what the sin is. You just want to come in prayer, rededicate your life to the Lord. You can do that. If you want to join the church, if you want to be baptized, we can take care of those things a little bit later on. Just come on down and let me know that. But as they sing, you come right now and do what God wants you to do. Don't put it off. Don't wait. First verse, step out. That's instant obedience. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. 
anything we can help you with after the service, please let us know. We'd be glad to do so. Visitors, thank you so much for being in God's house with us today. And members uh, and attenders, thank you so much for being faithful to God. I'm going to ask Bobby, would you dismiss us in a word of prayer, sir? And as he does so, may God bless you and give you a great rest of the Lord's day. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have to, had to be in your house today to praise you, to honor you, to worship you, and to hear your word. Amen. Father, we pray as we leave today that your word, your word would truly reign in our hearts, that the people we meet would see a reflection of you in our lives. May we reflect your glory, your strength, and your love to those who are around us and surround us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.